Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. This is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Uh, happy to have uh, tonight's guest back for a second time. You know, he uh, he got in there right before the pandemic, and it was great to chat with him about Country Hawk and chat about uh, things he's doing in the community with uh, art and, you know, photography, helping people out in times of need. Um, he's got a great website called Country Stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about that here again tonight, see how his quarantine's going. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Butch Cole. How are you? I'm good. Uh, it's been a strange year. You know, I think we did sneak it in right before. I think it was probably like last January, maybe uh, we got together and, and chatted. Uh, I know uh, at the time we had the country prom coming up and that was held in February. And, you know, I don't know, 150 people went. I've probably seen or to have talked to, you know, a number of those people. And I was like, that was our last time out. You know, that was our last night out. Um, you know, tail end of February, you know, soon after that, that the St. Patty's Day Parade was uh, canceled. So everybody that went to the prom was like, I'm so glad I went, you, you know, it was such a good time. It was good to get out. And, you know, that's what I miss. I miss people right now. How about you? How you doing with the quarantine? I miss people too. I miss, I mean, like I had like a phone conversation with a total stranger today and it was like one of the best things ever, you know what I mean? To like chat with somebody like, you know, you know, off the record or whatever, you know, uh, right. I, I agree. Like, I mean, I remember when you uh, threw that prom and like um, I, I attended like a large party just beforehand and like, yeah, I miss seeing people. I miss talking to people. I, I miss like uh, seeing people's facial expressions. You know what I mean? It's an odd thing not seeing if somebody's smiling or not, but I mean, it, I just never thought it would go on this long. You know what I mean? Like, no, nobody did. I mean, but then again, like when it first hit, like nobody knew like really what was going on. Like, is it really the pandemic plague that's going to end all end all, you know, like, or is it, you know, something that could be manageable with like three to four different vaccines on the horizon within 12 months. Like that wasn't a topic at all. It was just like, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. What, what do you want? Play with this. This is my dog, Lucy. Lucy will probably, I'm watching her this evening solo while uh, mom and uh, son are out. What, what do you want? What do you want? You want this? Go get it. Anyway, Dude, my, my um, kids are probably going to make cameos tonight. So I got a cool. puppy now. So it's like she's six months old. Here she is. Lucy, get in here. here hey, Lizzie. Is. Oh, boy. That's a puppy. Yeah, six months old. Uh, you know, full size. What? You don't like me talking? For real? I'm going to have to put you in the back room. Give me one second. Okay, <laughs> no problem. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect my dog to tell me, no, you're not going to be able to podcast. But anyway, I mean, um, yeah, it's just been weird, man. It's weird. Like, I drove through country the other day just to do something. You know what I mean? It's, you know, I think a lot of people, when they get back to, you know, normal, are going to be surprised because I I was leaving Country Hawking to go towards Bridgeport the other day. And I come down Fayette Street and I get to, you know, Fayette and Elm, where the bridge is. And there was five lanes of traffic looking at me. Coming off the bridge into Conshohocken, there's now five separate lanes um, just looking at you as you're trying to leave Conshohocken. Now, I think in 1987, they opened the bridge and there was four lanes total. You know, now there's five lanes just coming one way. Now, they didn't expand the bridge at all. They just kind of rearranged the lanes to make it, you know, more manageable for you know, the new hotel coming in and the Marisource Bergeron, the large building that's been built over the past uh, year or so. So it's, it's 
it's almost scary that when we get back to normal, if you will, how much traffic's going to start pouring back into Conshohocken for these uh, new buildings, uh, the new hotel, the, the new Amerisource Bergeron building. What's the, what's uh, the name of that new place? What's it called? There? So the large one that's built right now is going to be the headquarters for Amerisource Bergeron. Um, it's, I mean, to me, hey, I'm old school. Um, I don't know that that building was needed where it was at. You know, for instance, when they built up all along the river, to, to me, it was almost like two different worlds. There was regular country hockey where the people lived. And then there was along the river where the offices went, new condos, uh, luxury apartments, whatever it was. It almost felt disconnected. And then in 2008, that fire happened down at the uh, apartments. And I think that might have been the, the point where they kind of got more connected. And it was through the people. It wasn't necessarily like a a company was trying to reach out or the people were trying to reach out to, to the businesses down there. I think when the fire hit and people were displaced from their apartments, you know, they were newer residents, if you will, uh, people lost their pets, their, their, every belonging they had. Um, I think that's when Contra Hawking showed what it's all about because, you know, everybody was outpouring their support financially, emotionally, um, you know, every single fire volunteer in the county showed up at that fire. And I think that's one of the things that can kind of separate old school country, if you will, and new school, because we all came together. You know, it was kind of neat to come together out of tragedy, but I saw the best out of Conshohocken. You know, and going back to like the quarantine and stuff right now, I'm also seeing the best of Conshohocken right now because everybody wants to support the restaurants. Everybody wants to support, you know, the small businesses. Everybody wants to take care of each other, which is fantastic. I think Country Hawking is, I mean, to me, it's the greatest place in the world. Um, but I, I think just seeing the people of Country Hawking, whether they're newer residents, whether they are lifelong residents, I think everybody's invested enough that we all want to see the Country Hawking we have now come through this. You know, we don't want to see any businesses go out of business. We don't want to see people out of work. Um, I think we're all really pulling for each other, which is great. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with uh, Barstool Sports in Portnoy? What do you you know, I, I just shared today that they're helping out the, the old house, which is freaking fantastic. They are? I didn't see that. I was yeah, just just today. I'm actually, when me and you get off this, I'm going to go there and get a hot roast beef sandwich tonight just to uh, show actual support, not just, you know, sharing on Facebook. But yeah, I, I posted for the, today. For the listeners out there who don't know, he's uh, he just started his own fund for these small businesses to raise you know, everybody's struggling right now, you know, completely. There's so, there's so many restaurants. I live in Plymouth meeting and like in East Norton, there's so many restaurants that are just closed. You know what I mean? Like Charlie's pizza is like, my family loves Charlie's pizza. You know what I mean? We take their abuse because we know their pizza is so good. You know what I mean? We show up and um, they're just closed, man. You know? And like, it's just a weird time, man. I can't imagine owning a business at this time. I can't imagine, you know, having to rely, I mean, like I, you know, I'm okay, you know, but, um, I am, I have unemployment, but my unemployment has been frozen since like December 17th. And on Facebook, there's a, a group chat with a bunch of people who, who are just way worse than me with like, you know, situations where they're, they, they can't eat. They, they have no food for their kids. And like, you can't call the office. The office is always busy. You, you know, you can get people from career link who kind of work with the Pennsylvania unemployment offices, but I mean, like, it's just a struggle. And it's like, 
I find it very frustrating because everything in this world is automated. You know what I mean? It's not paperwork no more. It's a couple of buttons on the computer to send people checks. And it's like, sometimes, you know, like uh, this, this pandemic though, it's like also for some people, they just can't work. Also, you know, some people are, um, they have autoimmune diseases or they have something that's more susceptible towards them. I heard today that people who smoke cigarettes are going to get the vaccine first because they're more at risk. I'm like, dude, quit smoking cigarettes. I quit smoking cigarettes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's a tough one to take. I didn't hear that. Um, I, I, I'll probably go off topic here a little bit. You know, uh, my, my family's always worked hard. Um, and we've helped everybody we can help along the way in life. And every once in a while, you know, you'll get a beef and beer come up and, you know, say, what, what's this person about? What's, what's going on? Why do they need to help? And in most cases, you know, it's something that they had no control over, you, you know, everyone's not be like, what's this beef and beer for? Oh, he, he drank too much and got an accident, but doesn't have insurance. You know what? I feel bad for the guy. I feel bad for his family, but I feel worse for the kid that got cancer for no reason, you know? Um, so yeah, when you gave up cigarettes, you did something good for you. You know, uh, my mom quit years ago. We, you know, we were alive when she smoked and, and she quit, you know, over 30 years ago at this point. And, you know, it's the best decision she ever made. You know, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to stop smoking cigarettes. And, and you know, I mean, everybody has their vices, of course. I, you know, I'm probably one McRib away from 300 pounds, you know. So, you know, I got to learn how to stop eating. Like I said, I'm, I'm already going to the roast beef yeah. place tonight, you know. You, um, you just mentioned the McRib. I just said to my wife, I was like, I never had one. I wonder what it tastes like. Oh, it's, uh, I think my eyes just went big like Homer Simpson in that episode yeah. where he has the McRib for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I get it without onions and I love it. It's just like pickles, a oh, ton of barbecue you're, sauce. Yeah, you're, you're kind of hacking them to make a fresh McRib. You know yeah, I, mean? I didn't even think about it that way. The, the first time I had one this year, I got a little heartburn. So I was like, you know what? I want to ditch the onions the next time. You know, I mean, so, McDonald's, there was a period of time where McDonald's, like I remember like early thousands, the Super Size Me documentary and all that stuff. I mean, like, look, McDonald's is McDonald's. You know what you're going to get when you go there. And like, you know, don't be ashamed of it. You know what my go-to pleasure is there when I'm – you know, looking for something that's like, you know, just going to burn my body. It's a really good hack. And I didn't learn this hack myself. Uh, this comes from Mr. Wyatt Hall from Ventura, California. Get a McDouble, but get it with the Big Mac sauce. It is oh. amazing. It is amazing. It's so good. All right. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, you know, uh, McDonald's not too long ago. And you know what? Like, uh, this is an insane story. <laughs> but my wife, uh, she hits me up through text and she's like, Bob, um, he's hungry. Can you pick up something real quick? I'm like, all right, sure. I get a chicken nuggets. Everybody's happy, right? I go to the drive-thru. I'm like next in line to pay. And there's two windows. And you know when you're in a drive-thru, you don't want to be looking at your phone. You don't want to be like the guy that's like holding everybody up. My debit card's on my lap right here, right? I move up and the debit card slides off my lap into the slot where your emergency brake is in the car. Oh. In through the console. And I'm just like, what? What just happened? No way of getting it. I tell the lady, I'm very sorry. I'm going to pull over and see if I can get it. I can't get it. She comes out with the order and gives it to me for free. Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. I had to go get a new debit card. There's a debit card in my car right now. <laughs> yeah. You're going to sell that car in five years and someone's going to find that car and try to get some money. <laughs> um, but no, I'm sure any stories because you know I saw like during the holidays like you were like hitting people up like hey I have like I think you gave somebody like a tree you, like bought somebody you know what I mean like doing stuff like that is like you know 
it's like true, like uh, altruism, you know I mean? Not asking anything in return and not many people do that. And not many people use social media as a utility to help people, you know? It's a fine line for me because I, I mean, I, I'm just an honest guy, so I'll, I'll put this out there. I, I try to do what I can do um, without making a big deal about it. So a lot of what I do doesn't ever show, you know, up anywhere. Um, every once in a while, though, there are other people like me that have to put it out there occasionally. And it does a couple things. One is it lets people know that, hey, there is help out there. there there's somebody willing to help. Sometimes you got to ask, you know, the right way, the right person. You got to, you know, you, you got to put it out there because other people don't know you're struggling. Um, and then also when I do put something out there, uh, other people want to step up and help as well. So while I don't, I don't always say what I do. Um, when I do, I think people can either be inspired by it, want to help, um, you know, this year was a great example of restoring faith in humanity, if you will. I probably had more people text, Facebook message, call, saying, what can I do to help? You know, like, I, I didn't lose my job this year. I want to help somebody that might have lost their job. I want to help a family that can't afford, you know, Christmas dinner. I want to put a few gifts under somebody else's tree, whatever it was. Actually, the number of people bring me their stimulus check and it went right to the Colonial Number Council, which was able to help out a lot of people. So when you were saying earlier about, you know, people being unemployed, people can't eat, there's ways free to eat, you know, um, not just you, but anybody that's hearing this, um, that there's places like the Colonial Number Council, hey, we're fortunate to have that in our backyard here in Country Hawken. But there are other places like that, you know, in our general area and in the world. It's um, got to find them. And, and the reason I help the Colonial Neighbor Council in particular is, you know, if, if you got two paychecks coming to your house and you got all your bills figured out and all of a sudden you're not getting one of those paychecks, well, you still might have enough money to pay the mortgage. You still might have enough money to pay for cable, you know, electric, you know, but when it gets to be a, you know, 43 degree day like today and you're going, you know what, I can either turn the heat on or I can put food on the table. I'd like to see you be able to do both. You know, hey, take whatever little money you have, heat your house, stop by the Colonial Number Council and, and get some staples. Um, you know, my kids today for lunch had a hot dog piece with a shared apple between them. And uh, tell you know, you know oh. real quick, just tell everybody what the council sure. is. You know what I mean? Like for for the for those so yeah, it's it's over fifty years old at this point. It, it's in Conshohocken. It's the Colonial Neighborhood Council, and it helps the people of Conshohocken, West Conshohocken. Plymouth White Marsh. The Meals on Wheels for the area goes out of this location as well, uh, which also hits Bridgeport. And Meals on Wheels is a great operation on its own. Um, volunteers will deliver meals and you know drinks to not necessarily shut-ins, but people that really can't get out for themselves. And in addition to just showing up with some food, the, the volunteers are great because you know I don't get to see my grandmother all the time. Now, hey, our family chucks on her um, she can get out, but somebody like her where maybe they're not getting out and the volunteer might be the only person that actually lays eyes on this person, um, during the course of the day. Um, they can come back to Sandy, the director at the, uh, Colonial Member Council and say, Hey Sandy, I saw, you know, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so 
and, and you know, they didn't really eat lunch yesterday and doesn't look like they're gonna eat lunch today. You know, maybe it's time for a social worker visit or maybe it's time that we reach out to their family and see if somebody can just go check on them. Um, you know, so it's neat to have eyes on the ground to see people put a smile on their face. Maybe some days, you, you, you know, you pick up the mail if it got dropped off somewhere different. And you, it's, it's a great service besides what the Colonial Arbor Council does, which is it's like a small food pantry that feeds over 250 families, uh, as well as clothes people and, you know, general help, which is great. Like uh, Wawa's actually been dropping off a lot of like uh, breakfast sandwiches in the morning there. So as people are coming to shop for their canned goods and their peanut butter and jelly and tuna and stuff, they might grab a fresh hot sandwich from Wawa, which I think is really cool, you know? So it's a great place. It's at 107 East 4th Avenue in Conshohocken. Um, since March, they've only been opening the back door, which is like in a little alley. And Sandy, the director, has actually been putting out clothes every day and toys for kids. So if you're, you know, in need, if you will, and, and you find yourself gone there, um, in addition to food, hey, you might find yourself walking away with a coat that, you know, can help you stay warm this time of year. Or if you got kids, maybe you'll find a couple new kids items that'll keep your kids entertained during the day. I mean, I'm, I'm home most days with my kids right now. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about that. So, you know, I, I was home with my kid too for quite a bit and uh, adapting towards that, you know what I mean? Like, I, is it easy for you? I mean, like, can you just adapt to the hybrid learning of school? Like, what was your experience thus far? I think everybody's different. I, um, I never owned a computer. So I did buy a computer during quarantine because I found myself home more. Not that I have time to actually look at it during the day because when I have both of them, uh, my little guy's full of energy. I'm sure you got the same thing. So it's, you know, I think every day I come up with a plan, like, you know what, I'm going to read emails today. And, and you know, yeah. 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, I better check those emails that I missed today. Um, also 10 o'clock at night is when I go into work, when I get my little guy to sleep and I spend the next four or five hours there. So it, it has been a very strange transition for me. Um, and I'm in the picture frame business while it's, you know, right now it's pandemic. It's not like I can say we're crazily busy, but the supply chain has been so strange where, you know, plexiglass, acrylic, um, you know, even some of our frames that are made in Italy just aren't getting to us. So we have to adapt there. And that I means I have to adapt. All frames are made uh, from that area, like plexiglass. Well, like the, the plexiglass and acrylic, every company started building the barriers. You know, you go to 7-Eleven now, oh, you got yeah, yeah. three sheets oh, of plexiglass. Right, right. Right, so yeah. every business started adapting with materials that we used every day. So prices went up, supplies went down. It's been tricky adapting to the new business climate. Um, we had a couple of our companies that would deliver twice a week. Now they deliver once a week. So ordering's different. Then you find out that a couple of frames are discontinued or back ordered for some reason. Um, I know there's reports of like ships just being stuck at Harbor because they don't have enough people to unload the ships. So a lot of our frame companies are just saying, Hey, we were supposed to get that last week, check back next week. Yeah. Um, and then we have to call our customers and say, listen, you know, the frame that you spent an hour and a half picking out, uh, it's not getting to us for a couple more weeks. Do you want to wait? Or would you like to come back in and pick something else out? Uh, so yeah, it slows us down because we're dealing with the same piece, if you will, two or three times trying to get it right. 
um, before we actually call them and say, hey, we're thrilled. We got your piece done. It looks great. You know, uh, getting back to the home life. Last year in March when it started, it was kind of like one way of learning because my daughter was in kindergarten. So they kind of sent home like a bunch of stuff every day, like here's what you're going to do. And we could space it out during the course of the day. I would take my kids on hikes in between. I would go to parks. I would go, you know, of course, socially distanced. We were really keeping our space. Um, but I would always try to like incorporate some learning and whatever it was we did. You know, if we went down to Green Lane or um, the Plymouth Meeting Historical Society has like a cool barn on the property. You know, so we would go to different places, uh, Harriet Weatherwell Park. I love that course, place. Like, I take my dog there every, almost every other morning. Oh, neat. You know, so we would go to like lots of different places and just explore. And to the kids, you know, Mary Wood and Sutcliffe are kind of like their home base parks. Right now they're loving Aubrey Collins because they just renovated it. Um, you know, but when we go to these other parks, it's, it's like, oh, whole new world. Um, this year, she's in first grade and the school district, Colonial School District, you know, really got their stuff together because they knew it was going to be either hybrid or virtual. And she's on this iPad from nine o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon which was a real, a, a real change for us because we're not big iPad people. We're not big TV people. Like, you know, it's uh six 30 or something. And, you know, the TV hasn't been on here yet, but she was on the iPad for, you know, six or seven hours today, just learning, uh, which makes it, makes it tough for a kid to go from zero to 60, um, you know, that fast, but she's been doing good with it. I think a lot of parents, um, are concerned about uh, their kid falling behind or something like that. You know, it's a lot of pressure on parents and it's a lot of pressure on the kid too. Cause it's like, they hear you talking. So it's like, my whole thing is like, look, we were the whole system of like, you know, elementary through secondary 12, you know, you gotta be 18 to be in 12th grade or whatever. You know, I mean, these are rules we made up, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's not a moment that can't be taught at a different time other than the school year. It's just that we're so used to children learning from September to June and then they forget literally everything. You know what I mean? Like you got to remind them again in the first couple of months, you know, like, you know, remedial, like let's bring it back. I think though too, like, I mean, like what parents aren't really taking, they're making, they're, they're, what they're not doing is they're, they're taking their own experience into account first. You know what I mean? Like what their educational experience was like and not, you know, equating in that you got Google now and Alexa, I can ask Alexa right now, what the density is of something that I would never know in scientific, like, right. you know what I mean? Like kids can figure anything out at the drop of a dime. Whereas you and I had to go, I had to get Encyclopedia Britannica. I had to get these magazines, like, you know, like get quotes, you know what I mean? Like kids yeah. today will never have to deal with that because they're so inclined technologically. I think uh, you hit on a lot of great points there. I, I recall doing some project where I had to go interview a, uh, a World War II veteran. And I, I think I remember walking into his house on 10th Avenue, on East 10th Avenue, for some reason, it's ringing a bell to me right now as we're speaking. And, and I was a kid. And I think I walked in with my five questions, you know, or six questions, whatever it was. And that was my interview. Um, looking back, I, I wish I got to talk to that guy more. You know, I, I wish I got to talk to real life experiences and doing more things in nature. I mean, some of the best memories of actually learning I, I have are, you know, going to, uh, the Autobahn, um, mm, yeah, you know, and just exploring that and picking up different leaves with my dad and another friend of mine. Cause it was something that we had to do. Like it was some project 
And I remember that more than sitting in class any day of the week, you, you know? I had a teacher, uh, Mr. Smith at the Colonial Middle School who taught environmental science. And like, he took us down to uh, the park that's next to Plymouth uh, Police. Dad brain can't remember it right now, but- um, Sure. He showed us, he, we planted those trees that are there. We took out, uh, you know, uh, manatees and, you know, not manatees, what was it? Uh, salamanders out of the, the dirt studied, you know? And I remember that more than anything, you know, that year. But um, yeah, I, I have a strong connection to nature that I kind of like during the pandemic, you know, um, kind of fell back in love with. Like, I mean, like I hadn't gone to Valley Green in a really long time. And in the beginning of June, I just start taking the dog every day. You know what I mean? Let's go, let's go. Start restudying the maps, you know? And then I started a website called Bobby Vibrations where I do the podcast at the park. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm doing them still right now, but I'm going to the Narstown Farm Park because they got paved, they got a paved path and mud okay. has been terrible. But nature, though, is really important. Like, people tend to forget that, you know what I mean? Because they're driving around. Like you were saying, you, don't ha you didn't have a computer. You're lucky because you're still looking up, whereas everybody's looking down. And, like, by getting out to nature, you can, like, you know, I, I never, I mean, I listen to, to music when I'm out there. I listen to podcasts. I'll tell you one thing, dude. I wish I could get paid to hike and listen to podcasts. If that's a job out there anywhere, hit me up, cahill.bob at gmail.com. But connecting with nature can help you, like, clear your mind and, like, give – your, ki your kids can get appreciation for it. I take my son. He enjoys it. He knows where we're going, you know, and like my son and I. I took my kids swimming yeah, down yeah. there where, where you walk your dog uh, a couple you know times what? this summer. You did go swimming there? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You, uh, you know, we, uh, I used to go to Devil's Pool all the time. Was, Devil's uh, Pool. I've wanted to do a podcast like focusing on Devil's Pool for a while because it's so, you know, uh, shrouded in like controversy and like all these urban legends i've seen videos on youtube of dudes jumping off the top have you seen it yeah i used to go down there a lot i mean i i really went down there a lot like uh once i could drive i know my parents were like you don't leave country hockey with that car and i think i found valley i think i found devil's pool immediately <laughs> and i would pick up like four or five kids with all you know being crappy cut off jean shorts and you know our worst sneakers. I mean, coming from country, it's not like we had two or three pairs. So whatever pair you would wear down there, you'd have to, you know, trudge up the, the hill, you know, as the water's just pouring out your shoes. Um, actually, the first picture I framed was an old postcard that I pulled out of some magazine of Devil's Pool. Cool. Uh, you know, I just loved it so much as a, you know, as a teenager, young adult, if you will, um, that when I started cutting mats, I, uh, that was the very first mat I cut and the very first thing I framed was a cutout of a magazine at Devil's Pool. That place is magical for the people. I mean, I imagine all my listeners probably have been there, but I mean, it's uh, this like hidden location in Fairmont Park in Philadelphia that has this like particular watering hole that uh, it's got its nickname Devil's Pool. I don't know. That's probably what the podcast would be about. But I mean, kids from all over come. I remember one time I was with my dog, Lucy, in the middle of the summer, and there's these two, it was so hot this day. I'm talking like stifling hot humidity two young kids in their like twenties or whatever. And they're like, yo man, where's devil's pool? I'm like, you guys are way off. And they were like, what do you mean, man? We thought we were like right there. I'm like, no, nah, you're like two and a half miles that way, man. Then they're like, oh man. And they're wearing these tight jeans, like in the heat with like the rips, <laughs> you know, like, I'm just like, dude, you gotta be sweating your, you know what off. And like, um, yeah, you I, need I, devil's I pool. Path and I came down. Right. And I like kind of like wrapped around, like, and I was like kind of adjacent to like where they were. And then I saw them walking back. Um, 
the opposite way and i'm like yo man what's going what's going on they're like no man that's too far i'm like kids today man like yeah yeah that are both they got dude speaking of other podcasts you've done that one in catman's lane uh awesome like i don't listen to podcasts you're probably the only podcast i've listened to and it was specifically that catman catman's lane one um you did it justice you know you took the time to understand what you're talking about um it was so in-depth so well done it was awesome it was really really great yeah i think that's episode 164 off the top of my head i might be mistaken just type in catman's lane but um fascinating story of this guy elmo smith it's still going on i was trying to do a follow-up this halloween season i was doing catman sequel but we just couldn't make it work with um uh, the author that I was speaking with, I did something on the graffiti highway, which was up in uh, Oh yeah, Philly, Pennsylvania, and like, and they they took that out recently, they, didn't they? Yeah, but we didn't know that. We drove all the way up there, and then like, you get there as forty year old men, and there's mounds of dirt in the highway. Dude, they, know, like, they did this year, right? I was going to take the drive too during quarantine. I was like, you know what? I'm driving to Centralia today. Like, and I was like, I want to just go to Google real fast, get the directions, and I'm like, what? Oh, you know, Google. like, did you see it on the Google Maps, like the mounds of uh, stone and dirt? No. So you, it was like an article. I found like an article, like, yeah, yeah they're, they're pulling up like today. I was like, well, I'm not driving up there to watch them. So the know. crazy thing is, like, when you watch it's it's in video format on my uh, page and it's also in audio format. But, like, um, when we, we got there, you know, it's hard to find. And then, like, when you look at the map online, you think, okay, I see where it's at. And then, like, I use, like, we weren't there yet, and I used Google Maps on my phone, and I scrolled up so I could see the image of it, and I just was like, Drew, what is this, man? Like, just, like, deposits, man, just everywhere. And I'm talking, like, the whole way down, and it's impossible to walk through. Like, why would somebody do that? It's a privately owned road now, but, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, make it a historical property or something. You know what I mean? Like, you had all these people coming into your town... And now you took it away from them. Nobody's going there now. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like you can build on it, right? You know, so why not just let it go? My parents, they've hit uh, Cadillac Ranch down in Texas twice. So it's like 12 Cadillacs literally like dug into the ground. And every year, I think the owner of the property like puts a fresh coat of white paint and then everybody just graffitis where they're from, you know? So, you know, my dad wrote, you know, Jack and Donicole, Conshohocken, PA, you know, I'm like, that's cool. Conshohocken's down, you know, in graffiti down at Cadillac Ranch in Texas, you know? So yeah, like Centralia, like everybody that went through there and, and you know, left their mark, if you will, um, you know, sadly, it's just gone. Yeah, it's a shame. I, you know, urban legends, though, I was always fascinated with this, with it, you know, as a kid, because there was no internet. You didn't know anything. You just heard these things, these stories. I mean, uh, the Catman's Lane story I heard maybe when I was like seven or eight, and then, you know, um, Centralia much later. And then I heard, I, I was going to investigate this one thing. There's like, it's called Devil's Road, and I believe it's like right down off of uh, maybe like towards Chester, Delaware. I'm not entirely sure, but like, apparently this road has trees that, that like, they fold in. If you go down this road, a bunch of black SUVs chase you out. They get behind you, flash their high beams, and like chase you out of there. And they say that there's all this lure about this like, like uh, evil house in the woods. I always enjoyed that stuff, man, because it's like that was like, you know, the entertainment we had as kids, you know, in the nineties, yeah. like, like making these stories up. And now the story can be debunked in a moment on Google. Oh yeah. Yeah, with, with Catman's, I remember, you know, first time a friend drove me and a couple of girls down there, and he 
it was sort of kills engines somehow, you know? And I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like I was kind of like not in on it either. You know, like obviously this dude knew what he was doing. Um, you know, cause the girls were with got scared like easily. I was kind of scared myself because Hey, I, I'd never been there. I didn't know you could just kind of like kill the engine and coast a little bit. It was, it was a little freaky, you know? And, uh, I, I think for me though, I mean, while you were doing the real story as opposed to just the myth, um, you know, I, I think part of it for me was knowing a little bit about the real story as well, that I wasn't necessarily scared for that part. Um, you know, but I was just kind of in a strange spot and the car just dies and yeah. you know, maybe there's something here more than this, you know, well, you know folklore. What? Sure I covered this in the episode, but like I was doing research afterwards and like I, I studied into it because I was fascinated by the, the whole notion of uh, a hook. Um, it really comes down to like, you know, uh, at the time there was no way to stop teenagers from parking their car in dark places and having sex, unprotected sex. You know what I mean? Like, so like this whole urban legend, some say came out of the need for some sort of, you know, like, uh, awareness that they shouldn't go to these places because the hook, which is also a phallic symbol would, you know, hook onto them and then like never let them go, you know? So like they were terrified of it. And, right. you know, I mean, like, at the heart of it, though, with the Catman thing, finding out about, like, you know, you know, these real-life people who existed in Bridgeport, Contrahawken, you know, that was fascinating because it was, it just kept peeling back and back. And, like, now I believe that there's evidence that they're still trying to get out there that says Elmo Smith wasn't the one that did it and the guy never got caught. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is, you know. I I'm think the evidence... Local, though. Local, 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 like, you know, mysteries like that are more fascinating to me than like, you know, per se, like aliens at this point, I'm, I'm pretty sure like, yeah, they're around, you know what I mean? There's really government says we, we know about it. I mean, like, I don't know about you, but like, I have seen something once. One time when I was 23 years old at the Dunkin' Donuts outside uh, uh, Butler and uh, Ridge there, it was, used to be the hangout spot back in the day, you know what I mean? Hang outside Dunkin' Donuts, chill. So we're sitting out there and at the time I did smoke cigarettes. And I was enjoying my coffee. And I look up in the sky and I just see this green dot just zip, you know? And I thought nothing of it, but I did say something to my friend who I saw like a couple of days later who was in Willow Grove and he claimed he saw the same thing. But I mean, I'm curious, what's your thoughts on UFOs? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they for us as humans to think that we are the only intelligent life form in this entire galaxy you know, we're not doing ourselves justice if we, if we think that. Um, I think I saw something the other day where the United States government, as part of the, for some reason, this got worked into the emergency relief package or stimulus package that they now have to produce evidence of UFOs or they got to release their UFO evidence in the next few months. Now, this past year, as crazy as everything was, I think at one point the Pentagon did release a few videos. Yeah, they did. Of, they, they, like, and just to clarify that I'm on your page with all this information, I know the documents come out, they, they choose the perfect time to tell us that aliens are real when the pandemic is like sweeping the nation and just basically yeah. takes the moment that like this moment in time for young Bobby Cahill at the age of eight, I just been thinking about it my whole life. When is the moment they say, yes, there is proof of off world vehicles. You know what I mean? Like they didn't say UFOs, but there is off road vehicles. And nobody said anything about it. Nobody yeah. said anything about it. They're like, we're going to distract you with Tiger King, you know, while we tell you about UFOs <laughs> actually existing, you know? 
Yeah, it's terrible. And it's just, I mean, like, I feel like the aliens were like, they, they might have looked at each other and been like, I told you so. You know what I mean? Like, they don't care about us. You know what I mean? Right. Why are we going to go there? <laughs> right. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I do agree with you that the universe is way too big and to think that facetiously we're the only ones. I also believe in the whole notion of daughter universes, which is like in, you know, um, in the universe, like there's a mirror image of you perhaps doing the same thing, maybe slightly different, which explains the notion of deja vu, dreaming, you know what I mean? Like there's all these like theories that like, you know, deja vu is an experience that you had in a different, you know, like daughter universe and it crosses over into your consciousness. I believe in all that stuff, but I don't live my life like it's my main goal is, you know what I mean? Like I'm just trying to be a good person, but by reading everything, I find that you can become, you know, like you seem like you continue to learn, you know what I mean? Like certain people like, you know, I'm at, at age 40, I, I enjoy learning new things. Some people just switch off and they're like, that's it, Netflix. I'm watching Tiger King, you know what I mean? Like, I think the interesting thing is you can pick and choose what you want to learn as you get older. You know, when you're younger, you know, it's a smorgasbord of stuff that you may not want to learn. I remember taking algebra in high school as like a senior and asking the teacher who was a, a nun. I went to a Catholic high school. You know, why am I taking this? I, I, I don't know where I want to see myself using this in real life. And, you know, the response was, you don't have to take it in college. And sure enough, in college, I, I wanted to be a uh, secondary education teacher for history. Um, first class I had to take was algebra. You know, when I... I don't know, guys, I want to be a history teacher. I don't know how much algebra is going to come into my life. Surprisingly, uh, my high school closed the year after I graduated, and it kind of changed you know, my thinking because I, I envisioned myself getting a job there when I was 18 or 19 years old and you know, coaching sports there. And, you know, so I, I loved my high school experience so much that I kind of wanted to you know, go back as a teacher. But once that option or opportunity would have been gone um, – college wasn't the same for me I, I didn't really last in college uh but I read a ruler every day of my life now you know so while I have basic math skills um you know I don't know that algebra ever worked for me you know so but when you are older you can kind of say you know what I, I want to learn about this and um you know I have a fascination for googling mid-century modern houses you know at one o'clock in the morning and just kind of seeing those design labs going that'd be really cool if I could get like a I don't know, like a patch of land on Barron Hill Road and build a mid-century modern house. All I got to do is like win a $3 million lottery, you know? Um, hey, I might have one of those houses, you know? But it is cool that you kind of pick and choose what you want to learn, when you want to learn as you get older, as opposed to just being force-fed it, you know, when you're not really ready for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I ever told you, but I have a degree in secondary education social studies. I was a history teacher. Um, cool. And uh, I struggled with math terribly, uh, especially algebra. I had to, you know, take all those classes again. Like, I'm gonna, I don't think with that side of my brain. I think with the other side of my brain. And as you continue through, you know, uh, getting your degree in education, you have to keep taking these mathematical classes. Like, it doesn't pertain to somebody who can tell a story and hold your attention, you know what I mean? And like, my math got so, the level got so high that I was taking global macroeconomics. And like, this stuff looked, alien to me like the real yeah. alien language of tomorrow and like i was just like there's no way and like i'm working at ritz camera at the time and like i'm going to school on tuesdays and thursdays from like eight in the morning till six you know what i mean just i'm not having a good time at college i'm there to work and learn right. and get the degree and you know get out of there and like i kept like 
not thinking I could, you know, get through it. So, you know, I, I recently came to terms with it and I've said it now a couple of times here and it feels good to come full circle with it. I had to cheat. I had to cheat, man. And, uh, you know, don't feel bad about it because I had to pay for that degree. And you know what? <laughs> like when, you know, the SHAT goes down, you better be ready. And I was, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I printed out like all the answers in like, like two font and like wrapped it around a pencil and then colored it in yellow. <laughs> oh, wow, man. That's, that's advanced. Yeah, it was good time. You sound, it's funny, you know, like I, I know we really know each other. Um, I, I've always enjoyed talking to you though, as adults, if you will. Um, I'm surprised how much we actually have in common because I, you know, I worked, through, I've worked my entire life in all reality. Um, I just uh, got a scrapbook of my first picture being in the country. I recorder. I think I was like 10 years old when I was published for it. Uh, I delivered the recorder before I was 10 years old. And I look at my daughter who just turned seven. I'm going, I can't see me asking her to go get a job, you know? Um, but you know, growing up in country hockey, it was a little different. If I wanted some penny candy down at Josie's, I better have a job, you know? Um, so when I got to college, I had been working my entire life and I was working in college. And I think that was part of what turned me off as well, because, you know, I mean, I, I, I was just, uh, at Temple for a year and then Monco for a couple, you know, semesters. And it just wasn't for me. I, I went into business when I was 20 years old, opening up a, a greeting card store. Um, and I was like, all right, I just stopped going to school. You know, I'd, I'd rather just work. And uh, I've always had that mentality. So to hear that you had to cheat a little bit to uh, keep working and working at Rich Camera. My dad worked at Rich Camera for a couple of years yeah. as well. I remember um, your dad was there in the 80s, right? Yeah. You know, he, he was probably there in the 90s. And, you know, the, the framing business. Which one? Which, was he at the Plymouth Meeting Mall? Yeah. So that's where I was too, but I was in the Boscow section. So I had my own little okay. island. Oh, good for you. It, still to this day, I still uh, maintain contact with um, my coworkers there who were part of the one-hour photo system. We had cool. a method of calling each other guy. Hey, guy. How you doing, guy? And like anytime like somebody posts something, we were a guy underneath it on Facebook. But, you know, we talk all the time. that like I, It was just a great job for a young – like I was 20 years old and I was selling cameras. Love photography, you know, because it was like – you were in charge of people's memories. And when you're in charge of people's memories, they treat you with the utmost respect. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these are going in the book, you know what I mean? And now that's all kind of like washed aside, which, you know, that's kind of what led me to do that thing in the, I guess it was summertime where I made the videos. Thank you for participating in that for, uh, for like families and stuff like that, because you know, people don't, it's just expendable to them, you know? It's uh, funny. I, I, uh, I take a lot of pictures on my camera on my phone, but I, I try to print them off still um, just because, Hey, when you change your SIM card or you lose something, if you got 4,000, 10,000, 20,000 photos on your phone, guess what? They're not coming back to you. Um, so yeah, if you can print them, you know, it's a good way to go. And uh, yeah, my, my dad, he, uh, he left a decent paying job down in Hale Pumps when I was in high school. Now you got to go back into the late eighties, nineties. Um, you know, Catholic school education was a couple thousand dollars a year. Uh, we still had a mortgage on, you know, a house that cost $20,000 in Conshohocken, but you know, the mortgage was still quite a bit of money at the time. Yeah. And he left a decent paying job to go to work at Woolworths at minimum wage, just on our frame pictures. So in that time period, he also had to go down to Ritz camera and work a second job um, you know, where you could get a commission or something if you happen to sell a camera to somebody, you know, so 
Um, he had to work his ass off. Do you have any uh, old school photographs of the Plymouth Bay Mall from the 80s and early 90s? We got a few. Um, Can you share them with me, like on Facebook? Yeah, I will try to look for one. I uh, just found one the other day of the uh, Woolworths food court that was kind of like under. Yeah, it's amazing. I remember the stools. I remember spinning on the stools. Oh, yeah. Slurpee machine next to the wall to wall sound video. And, like, you know, there was like this intricate, like, kind of like a fountain, like slash like bench area, you know? And like, yeah. I have such a photographic memory with stuff. And I tell when you work at the mall, it was like a whole different mall life. I worked in the arcade that Woolworths owned at one point. Love it. I guess yeah. I was around 21. Actually, I know I was 21 because I oh went out God, for my 21st birthday. working there, man. I re- it was called the family. What was it called? I don't even know. I remember it, you working there because I right. was the Soapbox Derby, but that was like the heyday of, uh, like Mortal Kombat and like, you know what I mean? Like putting the oh, yeah. up on the machine, like I'm next, you know what I mean? I was never good at any video game, but for some reason I loved working there. But when I, when I turned 21, uh, me and three or four buddies went out to Demedios, which turned to Y2K, which is now Stone Rose. And when midnight hit, I was the only person actually turning 21. Everybody else was with was still way underage. And we walked down to 7-Eleven when Demedios closed. We got, whatever crappy snacks we could. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think three or four of us came back to my house, right behind the media. We didn't walk far to the bar when we turned 21. And my mom comes down because she hears all this noise. And it's me and two guys my size, like you know, six two, six three, all laying on the floor trying to take our shoes off. You know, like we were all so drunk that we couldn't take our shoes off. So like someone else was taking off my shoes to help me like, you know. <laughs> and uh, I had to go to work the next day. So I'm at the arcade. My dad comes down at some point, and one of the ladies that I worked with, our kids, like, you know, your son, he must have ate some bad food last night. You know, he, he's been in the bathroom all day. He goes, he turned 21 today. <laughs> like, he was out all night last night. Don't feel bad for him, you know? Like, so, uh, but I, I uh, yeah, I liked, you know, the mall life was just unique where you knew people, you know? Like, I, I remember getting the same food every day. You know, I, I, I love, uh, I, you know, I just recently walked in the mall and I was so depressed just like looking at all the things. You just actually gave me an idea too. Like, is there a book that you and your dad or like, have you guys ever put out a book where it's like a one page, this is like the midi or the uh, midios and Y2K and then Stone. That was our first book, uh, Then and Now. Country Hawk and Then and Now. I think we did it in 2002, 2004, somewhere in that range. And where can, and, people, and where can people buy those books at? They could buy them. I know I've seen them. So that one, we can, we still have a Kohl's. Um, what's the big one? Barnes and Nobles. Um, that was done by Arcadia Publishing. So they put them out nationally. Um, I think those books are like 20 bucks a piece, 21, 22. Um, and that was neat. You know, I think even now on the Country Stuff website, just in the past week or two, I've actually posted three or four then and now pictures. Oh, cool. Um, one of which was, um, I just did one called Bubbling Springs Hotel, which is at Hector and North Lane. It's kind of like a little office building. But the cool part for that was when I found the old photo, I was just having a hard time picturing it. I wasn't sure if it was the Spring Mill Cafe because, I mean, that's kind of the Bubbling Springs area, or if it was that little house on the corner of Cedar Grove and Hector Lane and Hector Street, um, because the building that it actually was, I've looked at the back of it my entire life when you come down North Lane and you make a left to go towards Barron Hill or a right to go towards, you know, like the Country Bakery. It's that little building on the left in the SEPTA parking lot. So when they paved the road, they actually took the road from 
the one side of the building to where it's currently at. So the picture I had was of the front of the building and I'm just not used to looking at it that way. So, you know, in my mind, I'm going through that whole area, like where could this cool building be? And that's when, you know, I had to take a drive down and just kind of look at it. And I got both kids in the car. They're like, what are we doing again, dad? You know, I'm like, well, got this cool picture. I want to match it up. And sure enough, as soon as I pulled around the front of that building, um, the porch was the same, you know, I was like, Oh, this is it. This is it. This is so cool. You know? So yeah, we've done the books, but books cost money, take yeah. a lot of time. Uh, so now with the website, we're a lot more freer to just kind of do what we want to do when we want to do it. Um, our last books that came out, we were eight or nine years in the making with those, um, you know, five, 600 pages long. Uh, you know, my dad is so, um, so dedicated. I remember one day, we're going back a few years, but it was like a 60 degree day in February. Well, everybody else was out like doing spring cleaning, like breaking up their chairs, cleaning off the grill, like, you know, whatever. He drove down to like deep down in Maryland for, to meet with a person who couldn't scan a picture. They didn't want to mail it and they had no cell phone to take a picture and send it. And my dad doesn't have a cell phone either. So he had to drive down to like deep in Maryland to like see a picture that a guy had that might've been Concha Hocken, you know, like, and I'm going, most people aren't doing that, you know, but my dad's that dedicated to, you know, the history of, of this borough that he had to take a ride down to see what the guy had. And then when he saw what it was, it was a place called the Pines, which is actually like where first trust bank building is at Ridge uh, by the SPCA across from a giant shopping center. And at the time it was a place where, like single, maybe abused women could come in the summertime with their kids and like be treated like a regular person. You know, if they were like, you know, if they were in a tough spot in life, they could just come out here for a little retreat. So it's called the Pines. It was right, you know, in the White Marsh area. Um, and that's what this person had a picture of, you know? Um, and it's like so cool. Like, you know, if my dad didn't take that drive that day, that history is gone, you know, when that person passes away. That's a very that? interesting point. It's interesting that, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> photographs are precious like that. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to put a link in the podcast here for everybody down below. You can check out countrystuff.com um, and all the great things you've been doing. I just got to bounce a little bit early here tonight because I can see on my monitor my dog's going crazy in the back room. <laughs> and she's like about to probably no problem man i'm thrilled we got to talk because you know like i said earlier i'm surprised how much we actually have in common because you know it's not like we're calling each other as best friends and just shooting the shit like you know hey it's been a while yeah well you know what it, that's like why i bring you i bring people back that i know have the gift of chat you can chat really well you understand podcasting even though you don't have a phone or a computer you understand the i got a computer man i might have to do a podcast like, you'll be my first like, guest like, if, I, if talk, I ever do a podcast you talk i listen i talk you listen, and then there's a whole hour of a podcast right there for you to enjoy. Uh, I'll bring you back again, dude. It's always a pleasure. Sounds good. Seriously, if, if I ever do a podcast on country stuff, you're the first guest, all right? I'll, be down. I'll help you. If you need help uh, setting Perfect. the whole thing up, it's like one, two, three. But um, when the pandemic's over, we'll definitely get a beer together, man. I uh, appreciate good it. Good luck with the kid. Good luck with the dog, you know. And uh, it, it's a different way of parenting right now. Um, I'm going to text you about being out of work. I'll, I'll talk to you in a bit, all right? All right, cool. Uh, my name's Bob. And this has been another episode of Bobcast. Peace. See you, Bob. Thanks.